Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Say Yes to Spirit, encouraging you on your spiritual path, hosted by Leslie and Tracy. And I'm ready to say yes to spirit. <laughs> and I and I am, since we're saying yes to spirit in this hour, I'm going to go ahead and just force myself. <laughs> Our wonderful weekly opportunity to to say yes to spirit and to apply our idea of saying yes to spirit to all kinds of topics. And so today, our theme is competition. Competition. What does that have to do with saying yes to spirit? Does saying yes to spirit help you compete? Who are you competing with? We don't know where we're going with this, but (laughs) we'll end up somewhere together. Indeed, indeed. But we always start, before we go into our theme for the day, we do talk about what what the theme was the previous week and if there's any connection between last week and this week. So last week was courage. Courage, yes. Courage and competition. You know, I guess um, if I'm thinking about athletics, I can see it connecting the dot back to it sometimes takes courage to you know, push forward in a competitive state of mind to force myself to work out or to do, do different things to compete. But I don't know really, I can't think of something in terms of anything other than athleticism or competition. That's why I'm interested to hear where this conversation goes as well about competition because I automatically just think of sports mm-hmm. the competition. And I don't know how courage other than the courage to kind of push through that that wall. Since I don't work out much, I don't. I hear about people hitting a wall or something when they work out a lot or something, and they keep <laughs> working out. I don't have any personal experience with that. You're so funny. So, um, okay, well, courage, the competition, um, not the most natural link. And <laughs> I think uh, when we, by the time we get through today's show, we may come up with some other connections, um, but that's this week's attempt to connect the dots. <laughs> they both begin with C. We can say that. They both begin with C. All right. They both begin with C, just like every other show in the month of April 2011. All of our shows this month, month start with the letter C, so we can always go back to that as a connection if we that's can't it. think of anything else. So, um, and we didn't have any homework last week from our show on courage, so we don't have to catch up with that. Um, So um, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back and 
dive into this topic of competition. Welcome back. You are listening to Welcome Back to Say Yes to Spirit. Today's theme is competition. (laughs) Now, it's really interesting because uh, uh, as many of you who are listening may know, we select themes kind of at random, usually weeks in advance, and just list them out. And uh, we we don't talk about, does that make sense? Is that going to be a good show? We just say, oh, well, we haven't talked about that before. Or, well, that's, that should be interesting. And um, so competition, that's how competition became a theme for the week. Um, so where are we going to go with this? <laughs> you know, that is one of the interesting things that I do really appreciate about our conversations is the fact that, I would say now, what we've been doing this a year and a week, today's last week was our one-year anniversary, that after about the first two or three months, we had exhausted all of the what I would consider the natural topics or the philosophical or the spiritual topics that one easily banters about um, spiritually. And um, then we kind of had to just go start doing, as you said, just random topics and, and booking them out, you know, months in advance. And then several times I would look at the topic that morning and think, good heavens, I have nothing to say on that. Or how does that relate to spirituality? And absolutely, as you said as well, within the hour, it comes about to help me understand everything has a spiritual component. And really that is how I believe and what I talk about. And so now it's like this is really practicing that principle that Whatever I'm doing, there is absolutely a spiritual thread to it. And the question is, am I paying attention to the spiritual thread or am I just looking at it through my human eyes that I look at it all the time and I discount and say, oh, well, there's nothing spiritual about having a cup of coffee or there's nothing spiritual about competition. So um, it is a challenge sometimes, but I do think it's kind of cool how it always works out that we do find some deeper meaning under these kind of somewhat superficial topics. Well, I agree with you 100%. And I had a flood of ideas, you know, in thinking about competition in the context of a show about spirituality. But none of them really, you know, like jumped out and grabbed me like, yes, you know, yes, go with that. I mean, you know, there was a part of me that said, well, you know, when you believe that everyone is a child of God and everyone is 
created as a unique being, why do we even have competition? Because everyone is, you know, having their own experience in the world. And so, you know, what is, from a spiritual perspective, there can't be any competition. You know, and of course, on the human level, a lot of stuff is about or driven by competition. Mm-hmm. You know, and then there was that part that part of my brain that was like, yeah, you know, a lot of times people who are in competition with others, whether it's athletics or whether it's in the workplace or even in families, you know, people who are in competition, you know, I often talk about people who use God as, they spell God as 911 or they spell 911 as G-O-D, and only when they get in trouble, you know, do they pray or try to connect in with spirit. And I think, you know, the same thing happens with competition, you know, when people are getting ready to compete and they want to win, and that's, you know, all of a sudden I need to, to say a prayer so that I can win, you know, and bring, quote, unquote, religion into that. And I'm always fascinated because, you know, you know, in a situation like a football game or when there's two teams, both teams always pray, and I'm always watching going, so are we thinking God's going to kind of, you know, decide who he really wants to win because one of them if they pray better or, you know. Right, who had the better prayer, right. Right, right. And so, yeah, it's like, you know, I could think of examples like, like that, and and then the other thing that came to mind that might be a place for us to go is, you know, what's up with competition and the competition mindset when it comes to religion? Like, you know, are different denominations in the same religion competing for members or oh, competing for media coverage or, you know, or the big one competing for salvation? You you know, you need to do these things and be a member of our religion if you want to be saved. And, you know, it's like, okay, this whole competition that occurs within or under the umbrella of religion mm-hmm. just seems very strange to me. If I'm saying yes to spirit and yes to spirit showing up in, in the in the infinite ways that spirit or God can exist. Oh, yeah. You know, that it's interesting. I had not even considered that and thought about that competition within within the same denomination, but I think that's very true. And, and churches trying to sort of identify themselves. I know being raised a Methodist, we would always kind of talk about the other Methodist churches in the area. And... Um, Inevitably, we would focus on you know why our Methodist church is better. <laughs> and even thought about that was better than the other Methodist churches. And of course, you would want to come to my Methodist church and, uh, and hear all the reasons why. Right, right, right. That's interesting. And usually, those reasons weren't about the the person or the other person you're talking to. I mean, you know, in terms of what's the best fit for you. Right. It's so. you know, here's why you should want to be one of us. Right. Just to further my own kind of idea that my church was best, you know, yeah, right. I wasn't really concerned about what their personal kind of fit would be for them. I was just trying to, you know, gain <laughs> gain numbers for my church. Exactly. 
So I don't know. There, I mean, there, there are some, some different ideas and places we might jump off of, and and then of course, you know, that whole idea of who are you competing with anyway? Yeah, you are grounded in spirit when you are truly grounded in Christ consciousness. Maybe you know your competition is not outside of you anyway. It's like, what is it about you that, you know, what is it about me that makes me believe that I need to compete? And if I'm really grounded in, if I'm really grounded in Christ consciousness, who am I competing with? And what am I competing for? Because I can think of, you know, in terms of like when I'm in a class setting or when I'm in a group and I can, you know, I can feel my um, desire to impress the teacher or to look smart in front of everybody else. And so, you know, am I competing, what am I competing for? You know, somebody else's affirmation, somebody else's acknowledgement, someone else's, you know, telling me that I am worthy of living, you know, yeah, that is really, really interesting. And I, when I think about um, the the example you just used with, you know, if you're in a class and you, you know, I'm so glad to have this experience of the class that I've been taking in the last eight months or seven months, however long it's been. It's a and, long class. Yeah, it's a long, it's a long time a nine-month class, and um, and realizing, as you said that, that, wow, I have not felt in any week since we started the class in September that I was competing against or competing with anyone else in that class and how real it really is. Right. To be in a group setting like that and to feel that none of us are competing against others. And I can't, you know, I can't back whether anyone else in the class from their own personal felt that they were in competition. But I can say that I have not, in, not in any class in the 25 weeks we've been in class, and I feel like I was competing in the class. And, you know, I think that has to really be more of a reflection of how you entered that class. I have a hunch that, you know, it wasn't necessarily the class itself, but the people's different, oh, I don't want to use the word maturity, but, you know, the different levels of self-awareness or, as you said, living in Christ consciousness because when I am feeling that need to please or that need to be affirmed or something, I am not, you know, living in the Christ, because not living from my own locus of knowing I am, you know, God expressing. I'm, I'm living from a locus of, please tell me I'm okay. Please tell me I'm okay, which has nothing to do with, you know, the class, but everything to do with me and, and how I'm feeling that day. Yeah, and how often we do that, whether it's in a class or whether it's in the workplace or whether it's in relationship affirmation outside of ourselves. Right. And if we're in a group looking for that affirmation 
outside of ourselves that gives us kind of a rank order of where where do I fit in to this group. Right. And if you look at it from a, using the word competition, in a subtle way, if I'm trying to be, you know, teacher's pet or favorite classmate, then I am looking to, be, you know, feel better than or higher than or more than my peers. So, you know, there's a ranking there that I'm not really, you know, I don't think now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think of that at the time, but ultimately I'm I'm trying to put myself ahead in the competition of best liked, most funny, most likely to improve, you know, whatever it is in my mind that I'm trying to to get. Um, the natural consequence out of that too is, or the human consequences, then you know, I'm you know putting myself ahead, which is just never <laughs> a very good outcome karmically. Interesting, interesting. Any other top of mind thoughts about competition and what that has to do with saying yes to spirit? Well, you know, the competition within myself to, you know, feel like I'm never good enough as being, you know, that feeling of, well, if I, you know, did 80% this time, then in order to be able to feel like I, you know, deserve breathing, I'm going to have to do 85% next time, that I never am kind of satisfied or I never feel as if I've done enough or that I'm enough, so I'm almost competing just with myself and random daily activities that, you know, nobody else is even really paying attention to. And that's almost a denial of my spiritual self to, you know, not be in acceptance of the inner, you know, the inner the inner spirit that I am. Now that is interesting. And I'm just sitting and thinking about that for a minute because, yeah, I mean, there is a thing of competing with yourself to um, achieve a higher goal or to get better at something. I'm competing with myself because um, I want to, last year I read 25 books and this year I want to read 35 books. Fine. But I, what I hear you talking about more is the competition, more so than setting higher goals and building on what you see as a success. I hear you talking about it more as I'm competing with myself because I don't think I'm good enough. Correct. Yes, yes, that's definitely what I'm referencing. Yeah, and that does feel like it's competition versus just growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I yeah. think the difference is is what is the intention of the activity. The activity could be exactly the same, but if my intention is to you know feel better about myself or to justify my ability to you know breathe, then then it's like I'm competing with myself. And if my intention is just really to try to get better at shooting basketball, and you know if I get better, great. If I don't get better, great. But the the journey is enjoyable then I think it's a healthier way of looking at it. I love that. What is the intention behind the activity versus 
the just what is the activity. Right. That's a really, really good question from a spiritual perspective. Mm-hmm. From a psychological perspective as well. But what is the intention behind the activity? What's the intention causing you to do this? Right. And right, because just looking at the activity itself doesn't necessarily tell you whether it's coming from a healthy place. Right. And I really, that is a daily practice for me because um, I am really good at appearing to be one way when I'm really at another way. Manipulation Mm -hmm. has been such a way of living for me. And so Mm -hmm. my behavior now looks very much the same as my behavior did maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago. And 10, 15, 20 years ago, probably 90% of it was manipulation to get what I wanted, and now, you know, hopefully 20, 10%, something less, less than 90, surely. <laughs> but, uh, but the behavior looks very much the same, and so I'm constantly asking myself, in fact, if I'm feeling kind of unsettled or off my spiritual game, so to speak, I will stop myself from acting, and, and I will ask myself, what's the intention? And if I am not totally clear that the intention is really, you know, peaceful, spiritually based, if I have any hint that it's self-motivated or, you know, need to get, you know, something affirmed, or then I will not take that action. Even if the action is totally benign, I mean, my, my psyche is so hooked into that, like heroin almost, that I have to I have to stop the action completely in order not to kind of feed that, that, um, that part of me that is, you know, sometimes gets very desperate for some, some sort of external affirmation. Okay, so let's, oh, I've got like three questions in my head, but let's, <laughs> let's stop for a minute and let's take a break and then we'll come back and continue the conversation after the break, okay? Myself, One Person's Journey Toward Joy by Leslie Moaning is a book that you really want to read if you've ever lacked self-esteem, if you've ever been confused, if you've ever gone through trauma and are trying to find your way back. Courage to Kill Myself, One Person's Journey to Joy is part memoir, part self-help, and part spiritual transformation. Leslie's life experience affirms that light and love is always present regardless of how dark the night gets. As a psychotherapist, Leslie worked with many clients who were trauma survivors. In the book, as Leslie uncovers the locked away memories of her own past, she's able to better understand her present and open herself up to embrace the unconditional love of her future. Leslie's perspective mixes insight, humor, and irony. 
she's come to believe joy is found living in the paradox of both and. Throughout the book, Leslie encourages the reader to explore their own journey. She shares therapeutic techniques and spiritual practices that gave her hope, encouragement, and a way out of fear, anxiety, and self-hate. If you're interested in reading more, please go to Amazon.com and search for Courage to Kill Myself by Leslie Moni, M-O-H-E-E-Y, and let us know how you enjoy it. Welcome back. You are listening to Say Yes to Spirit, encouraging you on your spiritual path, hosted by Leslie and Tracy. And today we're having this amazing conversation about competition. And you're right, you're probably having the same thought that we had, like, <laughs> what on earth are you going to talk about competition, you know, in the text of spirituality, um, everything that exists has a spiritual and um, sometimes you just have to talk about it a little to figure that out. So, um, Leslie, I'm wondering if you have a devotion that might relate to this topic. You know, I actually do, and it's kind of about that competition with myself and never being good enough, mm-hmm. and the title of it is My Focus. Yes, but he made an 80 in history. I called a friend today, and she began to talk about her son's progress report. He had made four A's and two B's. As I got excited about his A's, it was very clear she was focused on the B's, and it took a bit of talking to get her to see reason for celebration in the A's. It is so easy for me to focus on the B's in my life, never even acknowledging the A's all around me. I have a hunch God focuses only on the A's. Seeing perfection in everything is B only something leading to an A. I know my A's would be very different if I spent my time focused on my A's and seeing my B's, C's, and D's as all leading to A's. Later in the day, I decided focusing on my A's is also the fastest way to shift the B's, C's, and D's of my life to A's. But I do that a lot. In, yeah, I look at, you know, I mean, I just, I think I categorize things. Do you do that at all? Am I the only one that does that in my mind? But I'm constantly somehow, I have that mental checklist and I'm, you know, A or a B or a C or that event or my conversation or I categorize. I think that's part of what the human brain does best. Takes <laughs> in information and sorts it out and orders it up and says, this is good, this is bad, this is, no. Um, That's how the brain works. And if we're living in a spiritual place, is is that part of the brain less active, if we're living from our spiritual locus? Well, I I don't, I, I think what happens is, you know, the brain is what, the brain and the ego are connected in terms of, you know, we've got to take in all this data and make sure you can survive and make sure you can, you know, quote unquote, have a or have a quote unquote successful life experience. 
And when we shift into the spiritual, instead of the human brain, we shift into the spiritual mind with a capital M, then, you know, our brain could tell us all kinds of things. But we start saying, wait a minute, you know, someone comes up to us, like you did in the devotion example. You said to the mother, the mother's saying, this is bad. This 80 is bad. And, and, you know, you're like, not so much even the comparison of, yeah, but there are four A's and two B's, but, well, is it really bad? You know, from a spiritual perspective, you know, a B, not only is it a respectable grade, but if that's not something this kid's going to use, how important 15 years from now is it going to be that he got an A in TE? I mean, well, if he wants to be an athlete or a coach or, you know, so it's like the spiritual mind is always saying everything leads to good. And so, you know, doesn't everything doesn't have to be an A, a B, a C, or an A. You don't have to grade it because everything leads to good mm-hmm. in its own way. And isn't that maybe part of how I can, you know, use that as an internal indicator of where I am spiritually in terms of competition in my own mind, in terms of, you know, am I seeing whatever I'm perceiving is, you know, not what I really wanted or not the best that I had hoped for? And is my mind going to, that this is absolutely going to work out perfectly, it's just a little bit of a hiccup in the road, or is my mind going to, oh, my goodness, I'll never recover, what the heck is happening, life mm-hmm. is over, and maybe mm-hmm. my reaction is an indicator, too, of what, um, which mind I'm working out of, right? Little M, big M. Yeah, I think so. And, I, you know, and I don't think that it means we should always be satisfied with whatever happens. I think there's a difference between being satisfied with whatever happens and accepting that everything is happening the way it's supposed to. So for me, how that translates is... Um, a client, I may have done a proposal for a client, you know, and I may have really, really wanted to do that work. And they hire a different consultant. And they hire a different speaker to speak at that conference, whatever it is. And I'm disappointed by that. And I, you know... I didn't get what I wanted, what I was targeting, but but that's, I don't necessarily think I did a bad job. So the spiritual piece of that is, well, if I really believe everything's happening just the way it's supposed to, okay, I did want that. The human Tracy did want that, you know, and I didn't get it, so... It's not necessarily I did something wrong. There was another speaker who was a better match for them or, you know, I wasn't supposed to get that. Who knows what's coming in a week or in a month, you know, maybe some other really big project that I wouldn't have been able to manage. I mean, I don't know, but I I mm-hmm. just immediately shift into, okay, so I'm disappointed, but I don't usually shift into, you know, the the piece of competition of, well, I wonder who they did hire and why are they better than me and I'm not good enough. And, I mean, I hardly ever do that um, anymore. 
<laughs> that was good anymore. That's good. Yeah, or comparing, yeah, that's a good point. Comparing yourself then to who they picked. Right. Getting into right. That. And then thinking maybe I better start doing business that way or I maybe mm-hmm. better find out what they offer, go to their website and see what they offer and I better duplicate that. Or I'm, I better go redesign my website so it looks more like theirs because clearly they got this contract and I didn't. And, you know, their website might be beautiful and it might reflect their culture or their values, but it wouldn't be, you know, it wouldn't feel like me if my website looked like that. Right. And, you know, speaking of competition and hearing that story, thinking about authenticity, and Mm -hmm. if I'm in a state of competition or looking at trying to work from a competitive mind, I don't know that I'm being authentic, and I think we can only live out of our authentic being for so long, you know, in terms of at some point I can only keep up the image or keep up the 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 game so long until my authentic self absolutely just has to breathe and, the you know, the whole thing is exposed. And so if I'm living outside of my authentic self in some sort of competition, I'm actually ultimately going to be, you know, that's going to exhaust itself anyway. It's not going to, it, it can't hold true for forever. Yes. If it's, if it's not who I truly am. Do you think of competition in terms of, um, like, having a spiritual program in terms of, um Oh, working a spiritual program, and is there, you know, are there better ways to work a spiritual program? I can remember in 12-step programs, you know, people would think that doing a fourth step, which is when you take your inventory and you write out your life story and look at people that you need to make amends to, people almost would get into, like, a competition of wanting to write the best fourth step or wanting to have the best, you know, and they would get kind of, yeah, thank you. It's funny. It's funny now. I mean, really, I'm, I'm... it was so funny because it was in a step study and people would almost, you know, go into detail and you could get a sense or I could feel that, you know, they were trying to prove they had the best fourth step. And I'm wondering if sometimes, you know, spirituality can be lived in terms of trying to prove I have a better spiritual, or a better spiritual program, therefore I'm a better person. Yes. I, I yes, I've seen people do that in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether it's yeah, that particular thing or you know, my taper is better than yours at the end of a spiritual class or um you know, those the practicing the different elements in the conversation elements of, of a spiritual or a religious belief system, you know, and and having people, it's it's almost like people will talk about who has the most pain or who has been the most pious. Mm-hmm. You know, my, oh, that's what happened to you this week? Oh, no, but see, this, I, oh, yeah, but let me tell you what happened to me, you know, and it's like competing to have the most pain or competing to be the most Pious, you know, yes. And so I I don't know. I just hearing myself say that is like competition is so inbred in our society. 
Um, and I don't think it's necessarily that way everywhere in the world, but definitely, <laughs> but definitely in the U.S., competition is, you know, the, this need or desire, this belief that it's important to win, and, you know, both on an individual level and on a group level, and I've been part of groups where it was important to win, but it was not important to make other people the loser, which is interesting. But think about how do you win without somebody else losing? And, and I think the, that's... Go ahead. Was that the way the group was designed, or the, the quote-unquote competition was designed, or is that just how your group interpreted what was happening? Well, that it was important to do the right thing, and if you did well, you know, you would score well and and you could win. But it wasn't that then that makes you so much better, like a better person than the other team or the people in the other group. It's almost more like you did really well that day, but the other group or the other person is still valuable. Whereas society-wide, I think we have this sense of, you know, competition is you win and you kill the other group. I mean, you know, not. Yes. Right? That's why. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, from athletics to scholastics to, you know, shopping, if you not only want to look good, um, there was an episode of Glee this season where um, uh, the reference to fashion was, you know, of one person, people could wear, two people could wear the same thing, but one of them, because she was perceived as a winner in fashion, you know, she could wear the exact same thing, and it would start a trend, and everybody would want to go out and buy that and dress like her. And the other young woman, you know, would have on the same thing, maybe even wore it first, and people associate it with that's what losers wear, you know. And they have, oh wow, they have no value, and nobody would ever buy anything like that. And you know, it's like, but the popular, and so really, people treat, treated her or treat her like she was nothing. We can just ignore you, stomp on you, mistreat you in any way because you're a loser. But you know, the competition for the fashion sense, if you were already perceived as being very fashionable, you could wear the exact same thing and everybody would be like, where did you buy that? Well, I want to be just like you. So I know there's this piece of competition which is about, especially in the U.S., which is not just about competing for your own um, reputation or your own acknowledgement and reward, it's not enough to win. You also have to trounce the other, the co whoever you're competing against and make them look so bad that they appear to have no value. Isn't that interesting? So then you're going beyond competing, like you were saying, for just to, be, to improve for improvement's sake, but your your improvement is based on someone else's failing, which... I guess is is a common way of looking at if I'm winning, then there's somebody else losing, and and 
how aggressive do I pursue that person losing versus how aggressive am I just pursuing my own getting better? Yeah, and I guess, yeah, on that from competition to winning, and maybe that means there'll be a future show on winning, um, and, you know, because I think that is true. Competition could be two equals, and we compete against one another, um, shifts to I need to and I must win, that's a whole different thing. Something else when you were talking about, you know, wondering if it's only in the United States or more in the United States, and I, I hope that it is more in the United States and that other countries aren't so caught up in all of this, but it occurred to me that because we're so caught up in competition that we almost manipulate the rules of the game and create this false game so that we get to win, so that we can reaffirm that we're better when we're really, there's not even a game. But we created a game because we have such desperate need to win, and so we create this whole illusion that we get to win, but when you break it down, we really haven't won anything other than this made-up game that we made up to re-empower ourselves or make ourselves feel better. That was really deep. <laughs> I, I, well, that's not quite the word that I was thinking of, but I do agree with you. It was really deep, and it was really disgusting. It is an idea, though. I wonder. It was really deep because it's very true. I, I mean, just immediately it's like, yes, that is how so many of us live, and, it's, you know, especially in the U.S., and... Wow, we don't really have to do that. Why that we don't have to. We don't have to live that way. And that makes me think a friend of mine's son is the um, president of the Free Tibetan Group. I hope I'm saying that right. At the uh, talented and gifted school here in Dallas, they sponsor each year um, a group of monks coming over, and they do different classes, and they share meals together, and they sponsor their trip to, to Dallas. And in one of the conversations they had this year, um, he told me that they were talking about self-esteem and that in their culture, in their language, they don't even have a term or a phrase that means self-esteem. It's not even something that they have as a concept because everyone is raised with this sense of well-being and oneness and wholeness and we're good enough from simply being. And I thought that was unbelievable to have a whole culture that doesn't even have a, you know, a word for self-esteem. <laughs> How do they function unless they know they have high self-esteem? Interesting. And very Interesting. And again, I think it kind of feeds itself in terms of, you know, we then feel more successful or like we won, and and then we have to, you know, make it a bigger or deeper. And so there's never any satisfaction in it. There's never any. When I'm living in that human competition, I'm never gonna, you know, my well will never be full. There will never be enough water to satisfy my thirst. If I'm living from that spiritual perspective, where I have everything then there's no need for competition, no need for any accumulation of anything or, or, you know, winning or something, then it's just 
a given that I have and am all that I need. So it's almost like we create a living outside of our spiritual selves. We create a a no-win situation. Yeah, I I agree with that, and I the idea that I am enough. I am as Spirit created me to be, and I am good enough, I am smart enough, I am patient enough, I am, I just am enough. I have everything I need. What? I mean, you know, even saying it right now, I am enough, you know, it's like, I take a deep breath, and it's like, yes, on a deep soul level, I know that. I believe it. I know it to be true. And that was so not affirmed for me as a child growing up. Mm. And a lot of times I think what what I hear in, in conversations like this is people will say, well, remember... You know, back to when you were a child and you felt everything was fine and you were wonderful and loved and blah, 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 and then, you know, start thinking about it. What age did you start losing that? And for a lot of people, it's somewhere between, you know, sixth grade and high school where it becomes more peer pressure or, you know, you're more aware of being judged outside of your family. Right. And um, when I think back, it's like, you know, no, I never felt that growing up from family. But also, I didn't know that I should feel that. So I did, there was no sense of loss because, I, you know, I didn't know that there was this other way to feel. And there was no, you know, there was no abuse. But it was not that sense of you are enough. It was always about what you need to do and what you will do and the high expectations we have for you and, you know, all of that. And for me, it was when I got older, I mean, like in my mid to late teens when I realized, wait a minute, I am who I am. And at that point, it wasn't enough. I think I didn't get to the enough stage until another 10 years, my late 20s. But you had to do that all on your own kind of experimental, you know, by going out into the world and seeing and then coming to your own conclusion. It was never given to you as an affirmation from the outside at any point. Um, No, I think it was given to me as an affirmation. Like in high school, I think I started, started getting that because I have this amazing counselor and I had a few really amazing teachers all along the way, but especially I can think of two or three teachers and a counselor in high school who, you know, really kind of held up the mirror for me. And and it wasn't that they didn't have expectations. I mean, they had expectations. You are going to go to college. You are going to do well. You are going to be responsible in the world. But it was coupled with that because you are, kind of, you know, never these words, but because you are everything, you have already have everything you need to have. So, you know, they didn't say it in those words, but it was kind of like I can see, you know, that you are an amazing 
young woman or you are growing into an amazing young woman and you just need to decide what you want to do in the world because whatever you decide, you could do, you can do it. Um, and it was less about somebody else setting a standard. So that removed that sense of competition, speaking of our topic, because it was all about you need to look inside yourself, you know, and find out what it is that is going to be who you are in the world and then go after it. And so it, you know, removed that sense of anybody else could tell me what would be right for me to to do or to be in the world, including my parents. That's it. So that was that was a, a shift of going from an outside, am I enough, to an inside, I am enough. And then my hunch would be then your life probably kind of took off. Um, yeah, and I think I growing I... <laughs> up, well, I think growing up at, when I was young, the piece that was, that's different is it wasn't that I wasn't enough. I just didn't even have an idea that there was any such thing as, well, and that started from the, the conversation of you using the word self-esteem. You know, I just don't think I have the concept of, you know, self-esteem, um, that that was important, and and part of that may be in a community of color, because in uh, non-white communities there is a lot more focus on the community versus the individual, and so mm-hmm. you know a lot of what in the greater American society is about you know self-esteem and being a great individual and, you know, being recognized as an individual in the black community as it is in many Asian communities, as it is in many Hispanic communities as well, in general in communities of color, it the focus is more on what you do reflects on the whole community and it's not an individual piece. And self-esteem is very much an individual focus that I am well. good. And so I just grew up in I grew up in a family and in a church community that was really about how we all work together and that what you do reflects on the group not as a guilt thing but as a we are all together in this and we all impact each other. So I really didn't get an individual focus, you know, for a long time. I didn't I didn't get the American be an individual at all cost message. <laughs> be all you can be and then be some more message. Yeah. yeah. And you said a powerful thing when you talked at the beginning you said something about saying it aloud, I am enough. And that mm-hmm. certainly is a, a a spiritual practice of that affirmation and saying the affirmation aloud and hearing myself say, I am enough, I am God expressing, it absolutely, I think, for me, kind of recircuits my thinking if I'm starting to spiral down into fear or anxiety or I've got to be better than this person or my paper or my person has to, you know, win, then when I feel myself getting out of control with that, if I stop and I have that affirmation, I am God expressing, then it kind of energetically just lifts me up 
I don't know, for me, it's, it helps for me to say it out loud. So when you say it out loud, I was like, oh, that's right, versus just kind of hearing myself say it in my mind. Yeah, I'm a big fan of of saying things like that out loud as well. Because you think it, then you say it, which is a kind of taking action on it, but then you hear it, and it's coming back into your brain from outside. So I just oh. think, yeah, that, that just gives it more of a kinesthetic, you know, when you think it, it's just kind of, it, well, it's just, it has no form. To say it, you turn it into words where you read it or say it, but then it comes back to you when you say it because it's out there in the it's universe. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I hadn't thought about the hearing part, but you're exactly right, hearing it. So it's three impressions on your brain. Yeah, all at the same time. Which is always so. Um, well, anything else on competition and saying yes to spirit? Well, I kind of walk away thinking, you know, maybe if I'm saying yes to spirit, I'm not going to feel so competitive. That might be a a way to kind of test my spiritual program or my spiritual feeling of feeling competitive or a need to be better than someone or something, including myself, you know, better than I was yesterday, then I'm not really living my spiritual, living from my spiritual mind, my big M. <laughs> and I agree with you. I mean, I and I think there are times when it is okay to compete. Um, I have a, a good friend whose daughter runs track and, you know, for the seconds or the minutes that you're running that race in the context of an athletic competition or athletic event, yeah, I'm going to run my best and I'm going to run my fastest and, and that's good for her to learn. And when the race is over, I'm not competing with the person who I beat or the person who beat me in the context of that activity. Um if I'm spiritually grounded, because I I think you know in the in the world of form, in the world of the human experience, we do, in effect, compete for things. But I love the context you put on it. If I feel like I'm competing because I think someone just by nature of who they are is better than me that they're a better person or I'm not good enough, then that's the wrong kind of, that's the kind of competition that doesn't serve us. That's the little M. I like the little M and the big M. (laughs) Very cool. That is interesting. It is is so significant just to spend time thinking about random topics and how they connect the spiritual thread that runs in everything, in everything. Yes, it does. Well, um, great. I can't think of anything else to add for this topic. Are there any spiritual practices other than our normal meditation and uh, affirmations that come to mind? 
before we close out? You know, I, I just think the affirmations, that for me, as soon as you said that I am enough, um, you know, affirming that I am enough kind of cuts the need for competition for me. That one kind of love the affirmation. That's the, that's the main one that comes to mind for me. Any other that you think of? Yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, does anything else come to mind that's a spiritual practice around competition and no, I think for I think affirmations for me also is the one that really is at the top of the list, using them in a positive way to affirm um, who I am and what's important and that I truly believe and want to live that every person, including myself, <laughs> every person including myself, not just all you other people out there, <laughs> but every person including myself, is exactly perfectly created. Yeah, everybody is enough. <laughs> yeah. Great. So um, next next show we'll be talking about creativity, I think, and um, we'll see where that takes us. Very cool. Another C word. Another C word for the month of April, 2011. <laughs> Fabulous. So, um, in the meantime, you can check us out at GodInMyDay.com or ReclaimJoy.com. And we encourage you every day to say yes, yes to spirit. spirit. Alexa, play Whitney Houston. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.